And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 93. This is the last episode of the year. Of the decade. Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. Y'all, first up, before we talk about Christmas, you know, the thing that just happened. Okay. In the Facebook group, Missy has been talking about Hellier on Amazon Prime. And it's about, like, creatures. Okay. And could be greys, could be goblins, could be all of these things. You know what I mean? Not only new goblins of what you just said. Grey aliens. Oh. Okay, I know what that means. I was about to say, if you listened to any of my stories, you should have known. Did you call them greys? I was like, anatomy? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) Well, so I've had the week off, and I'm like, I'm going to watch something Christmassy. And I'm flipping through, and I'm like, ooh, hellier. Let me watch that. You know, as one does. And I started, and one, it's by the same people who do Weekend Weird, which is a website that I use all the time. Okay. And, like, they're really cool. They're really innovative and just on the cutting edge of, like, paranormal investigation and stuff. Well, so anyway, so I'm like, okay, okay, like, more legit than, okay, you know. And then it starts talking about synchronicity and, you know, just that's what really resonated in this whole thing. And it was like things lining up and mm-hmm. all of the things, you know, as Synchronous- it is. Yeah. Synchron- okay. Uh-huh. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's weird. And then they start talking about injured cold. <gasps> And they talked about, like, grinning men in general. They talked about the boy. Like, yeah, everything. I was like, oh, I legit did this story, like, recorded it two nights ago. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, I double-checked my doors if they were locked. And I kid you not, I was like, is that thumping I hear outside? What is that? Okay, Donna. Christmas time. Yeah. Let's go watch something. And I watched a cheesy, like, romance thing. I haven't finished the first season yet, but Missy said in Hellier season two, it's even more about injured cold. Really? Yes. And, like, I had no idea. And it had been in my list on Amazon Prime before. Forever. Wow. That's crazy. So, anyway, I just thought, like, whoa, that it was talking about synchronicity and... It literally happened yeah. to me. That's pretty crazy. Oh, and guess what? It's been the most joyful time of the season, year, whatever. What's it called? Wonderful. Yeah. I watched one cheesy Christmas movie this year. Really? I could not. I just couldn't get into it this year. I've watched, I think, three. Which is like so not my norm. Like I will have a full DVR of all the cheesy Christmas movies. Yeah. And I didn't even put ornaments on my tree this year. I know. You only had two balls. Biggins. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> I am ready for 2020, though. 2019's been a rough year. Really has. for I mean, for a ton of people, it's been a rough year. You know what? I was talking to someone today, and I said, you know, 2019, it's been a year. Like, a bad one. And no one died. And for me, that's... 
like should be a good year. Now, how are you going to say that when we still got days left? I, and then I said, well, there's still days left, so <laughs> guard your loins. But isn't that sad when I'm like, no one died this year. It should have been a good year, but it wasn't. It was bad. It wasn't all bad. We had some amazing times. First True Crown Podcast Festival. Ever. Got to meet so many people this year. Patrick Hines, I basically cried and tried to hand him his own flyer back. Mm -hmm. Thank God Carrie was there to like be, I was a ventriloquist dummy and she (laughs) talked. Um, (laughs) Then we met Ashley Flowers and Britt Praywatt. Which was amazing. Mind fucking boggling. And we got to work with Liz Sauer. Yes. And Emily Nestor. Yes. And And Andrew Tate. Yes. It's been a big year. Holy like, shit, okay. <laughs> okay, so 2019's kind of rocks. Okay, 2019 has been the best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> and not even like all of those big names, but we got to meet listeners. Uh-huh, we had meetups. We had two meetups. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 2019 kicked ass. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a few new Patreoners to round out the year. Yes, we do. First up, Nina H. from West Virginia. Kara C. from California. And Elena B. from Colorado. Colorado, you said. Do you not know the real world's Colorado? I mean, I remember him being there because that was when that guy slapped that girl in the car with the curly hair. Mm-mm. What, no, that was Seattle. Damn. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Carrie. <laughs> Good one. Just like your music lyrics. <laughs> Whew. Anyway, that's what that's how the girl would say it oh. at the end of it. I don't know. And of course, I watched it all the fucking time. But thank y'all so freaking much for your support, for joining the Creepinati. We're going strong over there, and we have new shit planned for 2020. Yes. Thank you so much to all the new Patreoners, to all of those who've been with us through this whole year. We appreciate you more than you even freaking know. And 2020 is going to be a big year. So if you want to be a part of that, And you don't want to miss out because FOMO, y'all, head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. Okay, picture it. We're in Barron, Wisconsin, October 15th, 2018. Holy shit. It's 12.53 in the morning and Carrie's been asleep for, oh, four hours already. Nuh-uh, three. Okay, touche. Continue. Jamie Lynn Kloss She is laying in her bed asleep when she hears something. So she gets up to look out her window, and she sees somebody in her driveway. Oh, fuck. I know her name because I've seen it in the news, but I don't know any details about this, so I'm freaking pumped. I mean, sad for her, pumped for the story. (laughs) Jamie's dog is going nuts. She sees this person, so she runs to wake up her parents, and... Her dad looks out the window and sees someone, too. And so he tells her and her mom, go hide in the bathroom. So Jamie and her mom, Denise, are hiding in the bathroom while her dad, James, goes out to see what the hell's going on. Oh, my gosh. He has a flashlight and he shines it through the door on the guy that's out there and is like, show me your badge. Like, who are you? You know, show me what's going on. The guy said, open the fucking door. Oh, my gosh. And while Jamie and her mom, Denise, are huddled in the bathroom, they hear a gunshot. (gasps) And they knew that James was dead. Oh, no. 
After they hear the gunshot, Denise, the mom, tries to call 911 from the bathroom. And while she's trying to do that, someone kicks in the bathroom door (gasps) and tells her to hang up the phone. Oh, my gosh. The guy that kicked in the door had on a black coat, a ski mask, and was carrying a shotgun. Oh, my gosh. Little did they know, he had already gone through every single room in the house to make sure that no witnesses were left behind. Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. The 911 call had actually connected. Oh, good. So, the dispatcher could hear, like, yelling and stuff in the background before Denise hung up. Oh, my gosh. So, the dispatcher called the number back, and it went to voicemail. It goes to voicemail because as soon as Denise did what the intruder told her to do, he shot her. No. So picture Denise and Jamie sitting in this freaking bathroom, like cuddled up, scared to death. They know that their husband and father was just killed. He breaks in the door, shoots Denise, and turns to Jamie. Oh, my gosh. Jamie is 13 years old. 13. He grabs Jamie, uses duct tape to wrap up her wrists and ankles, and drags her outside. Mm. On the way out, slipping in her dad's blood. (gasps) No. He puts her in the trunk, and they drive away. While they're driving away, Jamie can hear police cars and their sirens coming towards her house. Oh, my gosh. What a heartbreaking freaking moment so who the fuck is this right right okay the guy that had broken into the house killed both of jamie's parents and kidnapped her was jake thomas patterson and when you think about people who kidnap kids like this and and, i mean clearly that seemed so planned because he was like in and out of the house in four minutes four minutes two people lost their lives kidnapped a third Mm mm-hmm Wow. Yep. So you'd think, like, okay, what's the connection with him? Like, is he just this, like, pedophile that's been, you know, talking to her online? Like, what's going on? Yeah. No. None of that. Completely random? Not completely random. I was going to say, what the Israel Keys is going on here? It's close, though. Oh, fuck. So, So, Jake Patterson, one day, just happened to see Jamie getting on the bus and was like, her. Oh, my gosh. And he had tried, you know, coming to her house like three other times to kidnap her. And every time he said, like, there was too many people there. Like, it wasn't the right time kind of thing. He didn't want to get caught. Right. Well, this time he was determined to kidnap her. So before he even left his house, like, as part of his prep for kidnapping Jamie. He shaved his head. He showered. He did all the things to make sure that he wouldn't leave any DNA at the scene. Wow. He even disabled the dome light in his car. And so you know how in a trunk it has like that lever thing so you Mm -hmm. can open it from the inside? Yeah, he took that out. So there was no escaping for her. Like even if as a 13-year-old girl she knew that existed, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have been able to do it. I wonder if he did anything to the taillights. I don't know. I thought about that because they always say, like, kick the taillight out mm-hmm. so you can, like, wave your hand out of it. I don't know. He even switched out his license plates for fake ones that he stole from somebody. Just all. Th- so, like, it was 
totally planned out. So you know how I told you that it was like basically in and out in four minutes? 20 seconds after he left the house is when he passed those police. Oh my gosh. That's how quick. Like, don't you just want to be like, okay, if you're heading somewhere and a car's passing you, like, have that one police officer that's like, skirt, where are you going? You know? I know. Oh, so close. Like, so fucking close. So Jamie's in the trunk, I think for about two hours while Patterson drives to this isolated cabin. As soon as they get there, he makes her take off all of her clothes and put on a new pair of pajamas. He takes her clothes and burns them in the fireplace. It's these little details that like I'm about to tell you that like churn your stomach, you know? Yeah. He gave Jamie his sister's pajamas to put on. Oh my gosh. You know, it's just those type of details that you're like, he has a he has a family too. Yeah. And it's like just the domino effect or the ripple effect even mm-hmm. of the lives that are impacted by his decisions are just, it's astronomical. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to know if someone did this to his sister, what would he think? Mm-hmm. There's not a ton known about what happened to Jamie while she was with Patterson. What we do know is that that first night, he was kind of feeling sick about what he had done. And so he slept on the couch. I don't even know. I guess made her sleep in the bed. I don't really know what he did, but he kind of stayed away from her the first night. But after that, he kept her under his bed. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. So a bed, picture it, like two and a half feet high. She would be under there for upwards of 12 hours with no food. No water, no bathroom breaks. Wow. When Jamie was under the bed, though, he would stack, like, totes with heavy weights and stuff around the bed so that he would know if she was trying to get out. Yeah. Because I don't think she was, like, handcuffed or anything. I think she was just under there. I mean, which doesn't make it any better, but it would it would yeah. make it a little easier for her to escape. So he basically barricaded her in. Right. So while Jamie's out in the cabin, you know the search has begun for her. It's making, you know, national news. All of these volunteers are searching around the house. There's a $50,000 reward. The police had over 2,000 tips, but they had nothing. Because think about it. You look in, even even if, which I'm sure they did, have her computer and her, if she had a cell phone and All of that, there was no online presence where they communicated. This was strictly, he saw her at a bus stop and was like, that's her. It wasn't like he had been grooming her online or talking to her. There was none of that. So there was was literally nothing for police to go on. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jamie did try to escape a couple of times. The first time she tried to escape when... He, like, figured it out. He started almost like an Ariel Castro of, like, you know how he would set up failures for their escaped attempts? Like, yeah. like he would he would pretend like he left, and then when they would try to escape, he would be there to, like, yeah. bas- literally beat them into submission so they'd be too scared to try. Yeah. I think that's kind of what he tried to do here. Because, so she tried to escape, and, you know, and he told her with the 
basically the barricades around the, the bed. Like, I will know when you try to escape. And so when she did, he was like banging on walls and like just screaming the whole time to scare her so she wouldn't try it again. So he's a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, from the whole whole deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a fucking coward. Well, then she tried to escape again. And when he called her, he hit her on the back. It's not very clear what he hit her with, but basically it almost sounded like like a broom handle to me. I'm not really sure. But so he did beat her in that way. We know for sure then. Okay. So there she is, basically living under his twin-sized fucking bed. Wow. And he would leave every so often to go run errands or whatever in the hell he did. And she would be by herself for hours at a time. But again, she was blocked under this bed and too afraid to try to escape. Yeah. He would also turn music on really loudly so that she wouldn't know if anyone was there or not. He even had a family get together around Christmas with her under his bed. Whoa, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. She was there a total of 88 days. 88 days. Oh, my God. I think he really didn't, he thought about this so much, and so he was prepared. But then, like how you said, he was, like, sick about what he did mm-hmm. and slept on the couch. And then the first time he was just, like, like going to scare her and couldn't hit her. And then like, as it went on in those 88 days, he hit her with that broomstick. Yeah. You know, and he became more of a monster that he, you know what I mean? Yeah. He grew into his fucking role and she grew into hers of like, she stuck. Yeah. Well, and he's really young too. I mean, she's 13. She's really fucking young, but he's 21. Oh. So I think it's almost like, this is something that he's fantasized about because, mm-hmm. you know, he even says he had all these sexual fantasies about Jamie. But he said that he couldn't act on them because he felt so much guilt and, I guess, shame from killing her parents. So it's like it's almost like he's got this battle within himself of, I mean, he knows what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. But the the fantasies and the desires were just so strong. He went through with it, but then was also a little bit like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, is that he trusted Jamie and that there were no special locks on any of the doors. Really, all that was there were the bins that he would put around the bed. They slept in the same bed. Sometimes he would let her walk outside. I mean, she could never, like, leave anywhere. So it wasn't like, I mean, because she was there fucking 88 days. You know, it's not like, again, Errol Castro, who had been who had had them for a fucking decade. Right. Where they're like playing outside. But but it was fucking 88 days. Yeah. Well, you know, he, hearing that, it makes me think that he thought she liked him too. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and oh, so I'm sure. in that way, yeah, like he couldn't act on it because he's probably like, she'll never forgive me for killing her parents, but she still loves me and she wouldn't like, hurt me mm-hmm. and she wouldn't turn me in you know like i can trust her on this but i won't push my limits with her like we'll right. go it's we'll take it slow yeah in time we'll be able to be together Ugh. you know what i mean i bet that's how it was well on january 10th of 2019 so this is i mean this oh is such gosh. i know this is such a fresh case 
we probably should have said trigger warning at the beginning because a, a lot of y'all recommended this in the Facebook group and some of y'all even posted like, this is so close to my house, you know, all of that. But okay, January 10th, 2019, he told Jamie like, hey, I'm leaving for a couple hours. See you when I get back kind of thing. Get under your bed. Let me put your wow. barricade up. Rest, honey. Oh, yep. Well, Jamie's smart and she had been learning his routine. And so she knew about how long he would be gone. So not long after he left, she pushes the bins with all those weights away from the bed and crawls out. She's got on leggings and like a, basically a t-shirt and she gets a pair of his shoes. She puts them on so fast. She even puts on, puts them on the wrong feet. Oh my gosh. And she fucking takes off running. Go girl. So while she's running, she sees this woman named Jeannie Nutter and Jeannie's out walking her dog. And it's like the fucking stars aligned because this lady is a social worker and recognized Jamie from the news. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine walking your dog? Well, actually, could you imagine walking Bo and being like, holy fuck. I know. Uh, Oh my gosh. I found this quote from Jeannie and this is what she said. She said, I figured she left wherever she had been in a hurry. A lot of things went through my mind. I quickened my pace and got to her, and she sort of fell into me and said, I'm Jamie, and I said, I know. Oh, my gosh. So, Jeannie, like I said, she was a social worker, and so she knew, it was like all that training kicked in, and she was like, okay, I need to not ask her a bunch of questions. Don't overwhelm her. She's, you know, Mm -hmm. all the things. And so she says, you know, I had to stay calm on the outside, but like inside, freaking the fuck out. But she's like, you know, this was my training. I knew what to do. Talk softly. Don't ask her questions. But she did ask her, where did you come from? And then Jamie like pointed where she had been. And then she asked her, is he home? And then Jamie said, no. And then she said, is he in a car? Jamie said, yes. And then she asked her like what color the car was. And I'm I'm not sure if Jamie knew that answer or not. Well, Jeannie was like, I can't take her to my house because the back of her property butted up against the back of Jake Patterson's property. So she was like, if he comes looking for her, where the fuck's he going to go? My house. Cause I'm the next house yeah. basically. So she took her over to like another neighbor's house and they called 911. I have um, a young lady at my house right now and she says her name is Jamie Cross. Okay. Have you seen her photo ma'am? Yes, it is her. I 100% think it is her. Okay. What do you think is her medical condition right now? Well, I think shock and cold. And shock. And that came from ABC, like their local station. And then the um, quotes and stuff from the lady who found her came from her interview with CBS this morning. So the neighbors said that Jamie was clearly in shock, like you heard. She was calm. She was kind of like dazed. And she was surprised that they recognized her because she didn't, I guess she didn't know that there was news coverage. Yeah. So while all this is happening with like the neighbors and they call in the police and all of that, Jake Patterson comes home and he's like, where the fuck is she? You know? Right. So he jumps back in his car and is driving around the area trying to look for her. Well, basically... Because, you know, the police was dispatched so quickly. Mm -hmm. 
So while he's driving her looking for her, the police are like, oh, hey, there you are. Pull him over, basically without incident. Good. And as soon as he steps out of his car, he says, I did it. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah, she told us. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie was taken to the hospital just to kind of check her out. She was thinner because she'd been there for fucking 88 days, you know, but overall, she was in good health. Jake Patterson confessed to the police. He was charged with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide, one count of kidnapping, one count of armed burglary, and they set his bail at $5 million cash. Dang. That motherfucker was going nowhere. Right. Well, what he ended up doing was pleading guilty to the two counts of first-degree murder and the kidnapping. In May, he was sentenced to the maximum, which was two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole for the murders, and then got another 40 years for the kidnapping. Wow. But I forget exactly how it worked, but basically because he wasn't charged in the county where the kidnapping, like where she was held hostage, the court documents don't have the like exactly what happened to her while she was held hostage. Oh. So that's why I said earlier, we don't really know what went on in those 88 days. Some stuff says... Like, kind of leads you to believe that there was a lot of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Some stuff says, like, again, like I said, that he couldn't bring himself to do it because he was so guilty about her yeah. family. But so I don't I don't know. We don't know. The girl's 13. We don't need to know the details. Right. But she was there for 88 days. That's what we need to know. And we need to know that he's in jail forever. Yes. Jamie wasn't there when he was being sentenced. But an attorney, like, read her statement on her behalf. And she said, I love my mom and dad very much, and they love me very much. They did all they could to make me happy and protect me. He took them away from me forever. But this last quote, I was like, fuck yeah, Jamie. She said, he thought he could own me, but he was wrong. I was smarter. I watched his routine, and I took back my freedom. Yes. Right? Badass. Yes. Fucking snaps for her. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I know. I know. You know what? How you ended that? I feel like you just read an I Survived like <laughs> we do on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what this is. Yeah. That was really good. I'm glad she survived. So young. So young. Bless her heart. And you know, oh shit, what show was it on? Elizabeth Smart and like five other survivors, some of them were Errol Castro's mm -hmm. victims, like have all kind of banded together and like, Taking Jamie under their wing to, like, help her get through this. Yeah, I, I did see that. I read a quote from Elizabeth Smart, and it said, like, the thing about Jamie's case that's so, like, basically heartbreaking is she said, when I escaped, I got to come home to my parents. She doesn't. Yeah. That is just, like, this story is just one of my biggest fears. Totally. I just don't know how you come back from that. Like, these... People who are the survivors of, I, I, like, I don't I even know. have words. It's so incredible. And, like, I just cannot imagine the fear that you live with literally every day. Yeah. They're fucking resilient. In a way that I don't, I can't comprehend, you know? And I hope we never have to. That's so true. Because, you know, and especially to her. Okay. So, what made her notice and wake up was her dog barked. 
Yeah. So I bet every time she hears a dog bark now, she's like, who's here? What's going on? What's going to happen? You know? Yeah. It's triggering for her. Okay. So is yours as heavy? Um, no. Okay. Thank not God. Not as heavy, but it does deal with a kid. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Picture it. Peterborough, Ontario, 2014. Okay. And it's weird that we're both doing like recent yeah. things. What? Usually we're like 1832, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Nikki Playford was a single mother who had just moved into a house that was divided into two apartments with her 11-year-old son, Aiden. And they had the upper-level apartment. And I feel like this is how every scary story goes with me. Single mom moves in, and usually if it's an apartment, it's the upper level. Also, I think Charlotte, who sent in a Sinister Sightings like a long time ago, her first one, she had one in an upper apartment. Well, all that tells me is don't live anywhere you have to take stairs. Actually, true. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> Nikki had picked this location for a reason. Because she grew up the next street over and her mom still lived there. So the neighborhood was just like the epicenter for her childhood memories. And it was a quiet street. You know, she was like, okay, this would be a good place for me and Aiden to have his childhood memories. Well, right before they were supposed to move in, Nikki signs the lease, as one does. And that night, she had a really bad nightmare. Like the kind that chills you to your core and you just can't shake the feeling that it was a warning of something coming. In this dream, she goes into the bathroom and slowly opens up the shower curtain. And there is a bloodied body of a girl <gasps> who is like slumped over. Oh, wait, this is her dream. Okay. Whew, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <Skirt>. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry. Totally ruined your flow with that. But I was like, what? Oh, okay. Bloody body yeah, in before, the bathroom. Before I was interrupted. This is her <laughs> dreaming. Okay. <laughs> so the girl is kind of slumped over, kind of curled up. And oh, yeah, she's been decapitated. <gasps> Yeah. And so her head is by the drain, but her body's on the like other end of the tub. So still in the dream, Carrie. So there's no water in the tub. It's just this girl's body and head and blood. Well, unfortunately, this nightmare kept happening night after freaking night. So Nikki freaked out and obsessed over what this dream could mean for about a week, and then she reasoned it away like most people do, and she was like, this place is perfect. It can't be haunted. I'm just scared. It's a big commitment. You know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, the shit we all tell ourselves to make something happen. Well, so her and Aiden move in. Pretty much the first thing that happened, a towel rack in the bathroom fell on the floor. She went in to wash her hands, brush her teeth, something. And she noticed it in the mirror that it was completely off the wall. And she's like, hmm, odd. But also somebody had one freaking job. Mm -hmm. And of course, they didn't anchor the screws properly. Something. So she put it back up with some elbow grease and went on. 
Later that same day, she was watching TV with her legs up, living her best leisurely life. That is, until she heard a loud clang coming from the kitchen. And, oh, it was her pot rack. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And that was also secured with screws that had seemingly been thrown across the kitchen and landed in the middle of the floor. Like the pot racks that, like, hang above Mm -hmm. on the ceiling? Yeah. Like on Uncle Buck? Yeah. When that falls, that's loud. Yeah. That's why I said a clang. So I'm sure the first thought that went through her brain was, who the fuck is the one who is in charge of attaching everything to the walls? Mm -hmm. Like, because they need to be fired. But when she was going to put the rack back up, the screws were still in the wall. What? Yeah. And how it was made, it wouldn't slip over the screws or anything. Yeah. You had to take them out to put it back on. So there was no way it could have just, oh, you know, like shimmied off and, you know, whatever. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, no, no. The screws actually held it to the wall. But of course, you know, those are such odd things. It's like, eh, it it just could be the house. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, eh. Uh, You don't automatically go, we have a ghost. Right. From two things falling. About a week or so went by and nothing really happened. But then there was a knock at the front door. And it was the previous tenant. She was checking to see if she had received any mail. Well, the girl said things used to fall off her walls all the time. That doors would shut by themselves randomly. And that her daughter saw a big, scary man. And sometimes she would talk to it. Other times she would be screaming because of it. Oh, God. And also the girl said that the doorbell would ring randomly and no one would be there if they checked the door. Well, Nikki was like, that's not happening here. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, those two things fell off the wall. But again, it just could be the house then. Okay. You know, but like nothing else is going on. So, Okay, like, we're good. Nothing's going on. Everything's fine. But then the flies came. What? Yeah. So Nikki was doing the leisurely living thing again, watching some TV. No shade thrown because I love to do so. But there was a glare on her TV, so she closed one of her curtains. Well, when she opened it later... The inside window pane was covered with hundreds of flies. Oh, nope. Mm-mm. So she's like freaking out. And, you know, like, what do you do? Well, she goes to get spray, you know, something. And they were gone. What? No dead flies. Nothing. Was the window open? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. However, I feel like if they were all swarmed in there it would still like how could it be open if they were all like swarming right there i don't know have you ever seen a a beehive uh yeah not in an open window a wasp's nest yeah in a small little thing boy it could be big (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they're not hundreds (laughs) what did she sit there and count them one two three (laughs) it was a guesstimate i'm sure I'm just saying. Well, here's where shit got real. Her e-cigarette went missing. Now, don't be fucking with somebody's nicotine. Right. She had just recently quit. And so, like, she 
had to have the e-cigarette. You know, like she mm-hmm. had it on her all the time. Every, you know, like in emergency, she needed it. Well, she left it on the TV stand to go like do dishes, something, you know, whatever. Well, when she got back, it wasn't there. And so she's like, uh, no, no. Mm-mm. Like I left it right here. You know, looks everywhere under couch cushions, all of the things. Can't find it. It turned up later sitting straight up on her living room floor. And it was like she had searched the entire apartment for like over an hour. And just randomly, boop, there it is. What are those little gnome things? Imps. Yeah. What in the imp is going on here? Mm-hmm. Well, all of these are like kind of harmless things. Like nothing's been really threatening besides the e-cigarette thing because, like you said... Don't fuck with somebody's nicotine. Exactly. However, around Aiden's room, Nikki said that there was just like an evil presence. And she said you can just feel the energy around it. It was almost like a pulse. She said that the room was always hot, even if the rest of the house was cold. Which, I will say that my old room was the same fucking way. Mm Mm-hmm. So by now, Nikki started to get unnerved at some of the things. Then cue perfect timing for her downstairs neighbor to tell her that, yeah, in the two years that she's lived there, there's been about four or five tenants. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So pretty big turnover rate. And yeah, that's weird, but maybe it's a downstairs tenant also. You know what I mean? True. I mean, they are the common denominator. Right. But then, the next night, at 11.25 p.m., Nikki's doorbell rang. And when she went to go answer it, no one was there. Dun-dun-dun. So, like anyone, Nikki posted on social media, How do you know if your house is haunted? How do you get help? You know, that kind of thing. And was flooded with replies. I think she totaled, like, 450 replies. Holy shit. And someone referred her to a local medium named Shannon Deutsch. Shannon knew Nikki needed help desperately the first time she spoke with her on the phone. So she agreed to meet up. And when Shannon walked into the apartment, she felt just this heaviness and negativity in the air. Shannon said that there was a male presence and was picking up that he either died on a path or train tracks nearby. Well, when Shannon said train tracks, Nikki's mind went racing because she knew that three years ago, one of her son's relatives was murdered on train tracks. (gasps) He was pushing his daughter in a stroller and someone stabbed him and left him for dead. (gasps) His name was Rodney Hadwin. And Rodney and her son Aiden had never met before. It was that day that he was murdered Aiden was visiting some relatives when they heard what happened to Rodney. They rushed to the hospital to see what had happened, and Aiden saw him there. And it was just pure coincidence how their paths crossed. So if the spirit was Rodney, Nikki said that he was doing this probably because he was unhappy and she wanted Shannon to help him cross over. So can you please cleanse the house? Shannon wasn't exactly sure what she was dealing with. She just knew that she felt an evil presence. So with the cleansing ceremony, they had the local paranormal investigation team 
come as well. So they did some stuff with a ghost box, which spirit box, all the things, you know, with the radio, the frequencies. Mm -hmm. Well, when they asked the spirit what it wanted, it replied clearly, Aiden. Oh, fuck. Yeah, her son's name. And then it said, murdered. (gasps) So, of course, Nikki freaked out because she's like, oh, my God, Aiden's going to get murdered. Nikki wanted Shannon to continue with the cleansing ceremony because, again, wants to protect her child. Yeah. They smudged her whole apartment with sage and sweet grass. And while they were doing this, it allowed Rodney to communicate directly with Shannon. And he told her he was sticking around to protect Aiden. And that he was also scared that some of the things he did in his life, he would go to hell. And it was just like with drugs and stuff. He had a bad pass with that is what Nikki said. After everything was finished, Shannon advised Nikki that there was still some energy in the house and that they would need to perform several more cleansing ceremonies. And for the time being, maybe just get Aiden out of the apartment. And so Nikki took him to her mom's and was just like, hey, stay with grandma for like a week. But what Shannon did not tell Nikki was that she realized that there wasn't one presence. There were two. That that other guy, that other presence, that's why he was there protecting Aiden, huh? Yeah. The next day, Nikki was laying down trying to sleep, but she heard a faint thumping noise. And then she heard a dragging noise. And then more thumping noises. And then her dog, Lucy, was hearing it, too. So it's like, okay, this isn't just in my mind. Like, right. it's actually an environmental sound. What the hell? Nikki called up Shannon and was like, the fuck? I thought you exercised the demons. Mm-hmm. And they dragging shit. They Sh- fucking doing CrossFit in here. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks. <laughs> And so Shannon was like, yeah, about that. Um, That spirit that remained in the house, it's evil. Pure evil. And it was invited long before you and Aiden moved in. And it took up residence in Aiden's room. Oh, fuck. She instructed Nikki to salt the doorways, thresholds, window seals. And so Nikki did it, you know, doing it. And when she completed it, that exact moment... Her son's bedroom door slammed shut. What? Nikki went and opened the door a little bit to see if someone was in the room. And she was pushed back by an invisible presence. And the door was being forced closed as well. So she's just like literally trying to push it open and it's pushing back. She said it felt like someone was standing in the doorway just glaring at her while all of this is happening. And then, bam, it shut back. Wow. Why was she trying to get in there, though? Was it to, like, salt shit in there, or? No, she just opened it a little bit just to see if someone was in there. And before she could even open it enough to be like, hello? Yeah, like, peep around. It was like someone was on the other side. Pushing it back. Pushing it. Hell, we've heard too many stories of people being in the attic. That's the damn truth. What they believe is that the evil entity was targeting Aiden, and Rodney's spirit was protecting it. And and it was all from that chance encounter that day at the hospital when he died. But when he crossed over, the evil entity was able to be 
stronger. They didn't have to fight anyone else. Right. Later that night, Shannon returned. And this time, she brought her daughter, Chelsea, as well, because she was more experienced in dealing with darker energies. And Chelsea said that immediately walking up to Nikki's place, she was overwhelmed with dread that this evil energy wanted to hurt people, wanted to hurt her, and it was super powerful. So they go straight into Aiden's room to confront this entity. And Chelsea said that it felt like the negative energy came right up in front of them and they hit a wall, like an invisible fucking wall. They could not take one step forward after that. And so they started to recite the Lord's Prayer. And every time they got to the part, deliver us from evil, their bodies would just be covered in goosebumps. And, you know, it was just like every time it, at that part, they were so affected. The more times they repeated the prayer, there was this large black mass that appeared in the corner. But soon it took on a shape. And they said it was like a large gargoyle, like a bat with wings, duh, but like really big wings and a really large bat. And they knew it was definitely a demon. So seeing this, they asked the archangel Michael to help them. Mm -hmm. And they said that he did come forward. And then they saw several other angels coming in. And so it's literally a battle of good and evil in Aiden's room. And they said, we know we sound crazy. Yeah. We know this is fantastical. Like it's, you aren't going to see a demon and an angel fighting, you know, like this isn't supernatural. Yeah. Like. You know, whatever, like the TV show peeps. Yeah. But they saw it. And they both saw it. I can only imagine. You know, like, it. can you imagine? Be like, uh, okay, uh, y'all fight this out. Can uh, we get out of here? You know what I mean? Like, um, can I just Yeah, like, let me just uh, out? walk out like the. Oh, my God. Picture Homer Simpson. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Yes. Shannon was quoted as saying, it came right up to our faces and it was grabbed by the angels and they yanked it through the walls and it was gone. (gasps) We were saying the Lord's Prayer and it was gone. And instantly the energy in the room was light. You know, it, you know, like everything. It was just like, oh, they can move again. They can Mm -hmm. do everything again. Well, Nikki said some residual negative energy remained inside the home for a couple of days, but then nothing. And that was just like the eerie presence. Nothing nothing happened like before. It was just probably in her mind too, you know? Or do you think like when that void was created because something else was there, that other like lesser things were like, hmm, should I go in there maybe? And I was like, nah, I'll move on. Ooh, maybe. Ooh, maybe. Like, if it was really a portal, they were just, like, popping in to be like, should I? Do I want to be? Nah. Yeah. Nikki and Aiden ended up living there for another year, had no more incidents, everything was fine, and now they are living a ghost-free existence in a new apartment, same, same city. Nikki's story was on Travel Channel's Paranormal Survivor, and it's on Netflix, so you can watch it. It's season one, episode four, and I got that quote from Shannon Mm -hmm. and stuff from thespec.com. Wow. 
Yeah. I I like this one just because, like, it didn't go into a lot of, like, ooh, scariness. Because a haunting isn't always, like, so crazy. And it doesn't have to be, like, the Warren-style yeah, haunting. Yeah, almost, like, so theatrical. Yeah. Now, it was when they were cleansing the house. But it, too, is, like, that was a demon. And had Rodney not been there, it could have been that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It, Whatever. But it also, if you're listening to this and shit like that's happening and you're like, oh, it's nothing. People don't know how to anchor shit into walls or, you know, like whatever. Hey, maybe like don't reason it away. That's so scary to think that someone that's listening may be going through that. I know, right? Holy fuck. Oh, my God. I don't. Oh, my God. (laughs) I just freaked her freak. I kind of, like, whoo, that's so scary. Like, it's one thing hearing stories and, you know. Yeah. Wowza. Weird that both of our stories, like, I know mine centered around Nikki, but it involved her son, Aiden. Yeah. And, you know, you did a kidnapping and a murder, but it centered around Jamie. Yeah. And both of them didn't have a ton of detail but both were really scary. Y- yes, absolutely. Well, and I like the thing I want to know about your story is why was that there? Because mm-hmm. especially how Shannon, I think was her name, like said that it was like opened up for him or something to get there. The demon, you know, yeah, it was like invited there yeah. before right. they moved in. But how? Why? Who invited it? Probably that. Allegedly, this is just me talking out of my ass here, and this is what my ass sounds like. Probably the downstairs fucking neighbor. She said, would you look at this Ouija? Let's play it. And. Could have. And then she's like, this whole thing didn't even work. And little does she know, upstairs it's like fucking a demon toga party. But why in that one room was it like, you know what I mean? I think it always picks that how, like a, a focal point. You know what I mean? Just like we all have our spot in our in our house. True. You have your recliner. True. Damn, that's scary. Demons, they're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> Creatures of habit. <laughs> yeah. Also, why does it have to always involve like thumping mm-hmm. or like dragging? And I don't know, like just sounds like that where could be normal if it, you know, like, it could be Bo dragging his, like, toy on the ground or something. Could be the house settling. Could be someone living in your attic. Yeah. Could be a demon. Exactly. And, like, in your story, Jamie hearing her dog bark, well, hell, I hear Marley all the freaking time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Marley, shut up. Mm-hmm. Go back to bed. But dogs have different barks for different oh, things. Yeah, for sure. But Marley will sound like she is about to, like, she's like, Mama, get up. And it's a raccoon being True. like, hello. Well, they do look like they have this little robber mask on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, we got to go now. <laughs> it's official. We've lost our mind. We hope that y'all have an amazing new year. Here's to 2020. It's going to be a great year. New things in the works. It was fun kind of reflecting on this year, though, because yeah. like we we're like, oh, it's such a bad year. Oh, but wait. No, it was really good. Yeah, it was really awesome podcast wise and like making connections and friends mm-hmm. and 
like all of that, that's really cool. Health-wise, it was a little stressful. And by a little, I mean, Carrie doesn't have some door jams because she <laughs> ran into them on her scooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Who needs door jams? <laughs> but you should remember. Creep it real. And, and don't, don't get scared. scared.